You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome everybody to this episode of MSP 1337 in continuation of last week's episode where we're starting the conversation around as an MSP and getting started with cybersecurity where I'm not sure what else you needed to inspire you because you had the entire month of October, Cybersecurity Month, uh, you should be well on your way to at least have some ideas on things that you could do to improve your cybersecurity posture. This week, I have Jim Harriman of Kinetic with us to talk about why cybersecurity is much easier to tackle when you have some sort of framework to take you through it. Welcome, Jim. Good to be here, as always. As always, man, it's like you're on every week. Um, maybe not quite every week, but I think there's definitely a few uh, MSPs, uh, Secure Outcomes Advisors, that have regularly made the guest list. And I think that's because we spend so much time together talking about initiatives and areas that we're seeing opportunities for improvement, either with our own organizations or with those that we're trying to give back to. So... We talked about this last week on our advisory call a little bit, and that is, what's the framework that I'm aligning to? You know, in MSP Ignite, we're heavily focused with secure outcomes on using the CIS framework. We started with version seven. Uh, we're evolving that to version eight. But ultimately, it comes down to having something to map to in lieu of nothing at all, right? I mean, there's, there's not a specific framework that says if you're an MSP, you must follow this framework. So, so Jim, I'll just kind of highlight some of the options that are out there. And then if you can sort of walk me through a little bit your journey, we talked about this a little bit before, and kind of set the stage for MSPs that are considering uh, security maturity and how to improve that cyber security posture. You know, what are the steps that they can take? You know, this is, this is not something you do in, in one one uh, wide sweeping brush like today we're compliant with pick a framework. So for those of you listening, there are a lot of options out there. There are a ton of frameworks. They all have one key theme in mind, protect a specific type of data. So in our case, I want to sort of set the stage for a few organizations that have either ways to be vetted or their own set of controls that they're mapping to that may be tied directly to a full-blown framework. SOC 2, as an example, is a full framework versus something like, say, MSP Overwatch or the uh, CompTIA, um, the Security Plus Trustmark, or the other one that comes to mind would be MSP Alliance uh, Cyber Verified. Uh, the reason I bring these up is these are all either variations of a uh, an interpretation of a framework and saying we're modeling for an MSP what makes the most sense. Uh, and we focus heavily on the CIS framework. And the reason for that is I think that 
because of its technical nature, that should gravitate, that should be what MSPs might gravitate to because it's in lieu of having no requirements put on you at all. So Jim, talk to me a little bit about sort of the, the journey that got you to where you're at, the, even, even to have that consideration like, hey, I should maybe get verified or have somebody audit me so that I can know how, where I stand and how I might improve because it's not just me that's at, you know, my business that's at stake. It's potentially every client of mine, I could be the compromise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was kind of a long journey. I mean, we've been in business for uh, 24 years. Um, security has always been top of mind. I mean, I had come out of a corporate environment before where, you know, they, they were under Sarbanes-Oxley and, and have worked and consulted with additional clients that had fallen under those regulations, uh, had several clients that fell under um, SOC 2 or were being SOC 2 certified for uh, whether it was uh, investment money or whatever. I mean, it was a requirement for them to do so. And sure. so we had helped a number of, of organizations through various audits. And then um, when we joined up with MSP Ignite, um, the secure outcomes process was really in its infancy when we when we joined. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. This is wonderful. I need to get rolling. Right. My problem in my my mindset was getting over all of the policy stuff, right? right. It was like everything. That's what everybody was talking about. Do you have a policy for this? Do you have a policy for that? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> that's bad, right? Right. <laughs> so so um, with the the growth of, of secure outcomes, I realized personally that there was no way that I was going to be able to drive this within my company at the size that we are now uh, to, to bring it all to fruition on my own, right? Okay. Even with the help and, and your help and Steve's help and, and the, the peer group help, um, I, I just knew I was not uh, disciplined enough personally to to drive that through my company. So can you clarify uh, for a second real yeah, quick? So this goes, so let's, let's put this into perspective on your timeline. We're talking about roughly two years ago, correct? Maybe yeah, not quite. About two, two and a half okay. three years ago. So, and to put that in the context of secure outcomes, I think where, what you're describing and where we were at is, is actually completely very accurate. Like we were looking at this through the lens of uh, I've been doing policies and control mappings for almost a decade. So I thought, hey, this isn't going to be a challenge for you know a group of MSPs that are like-minded and want to improve their posture, right? Because the reality here is we're all rowing in the same direction. And what I quickly found out, my uh, you know the, the humble made me very humble really quick is most of you were far more advanced than my MSP ever was when it comes to process procedure and being dialed in. What I didn't realize is that it wasn't attached to what we're calling, quote, the policy. It was right. in the in my head, the in the whatever. And, and even in that more recent window, products like IT Glue, uh, Hoodoo, and, and some of the other, even products like Confluence and, and other like documentation workflows, wikis, those weren't really here. And, and those are answers to that, I think, underlying problem of like, get it on paper. 
right? Get it written down, get what's in your head written down, uh, automate the collection out of a config, whatever you want to call it. But the problem is I and, and Secure Outcomes was still driving this mindset that says, no, 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 no. You need to write a policy that says at the top in the header, access control policy, acceptable use policy. And I'm not trying to downplay those, but the approach was wrong for an MSP, right? Like you have controls being satisfied by evidence in your organization. Just making a policy and telling it that it needs to, to regurgitate what the evidence says, that's where the disconnect was. Sure. So we changed that, right? We changed that. So you've now been in this model two years, obviously in hindsight, maybe it'd be a little different. We flipped it on its head and said, let's work this backwards. Let's look at the documentation you do have. Let's look at the evidence you do have. What are the control sets, frameworks, policy models that you want to satisfy as a vision within your organization and go that route? And all of a sudden it's like, everybody, everybody wants to participate now. Now we are roaming in the same direction. Visually can see that everybody's roaming in the right direction. So, so keep going. So this helps with timeline and just kind of wanting people to understand like we had to figure this out too. You, right. you figured it out before we did. Well, I, the, the thing that, that helped me figure it out, it, it wasn't, it was really my, uh, my level of impatience and wanting to make something happen within my company. You mean push a button, like an easy button? Yeah, an easy button. I'm an easy button guy. And, and, you know, Steve Alexander will tell you that about me is that I'm like, can I, can I push a button and make it every, every MSP business owner who is no longer working in the day to day is always looking for, can I write a check for this so that I don't have to deal with this? Or can I say something to somebody else or delegate this, making it still happen at a pace that I'm willing to accept? Right. Is that fair? That, that's absolutely fair. And so uh, with that, uh, I started doing some research um, and started talking to my team. Um, SOC 2 came to mind at first simply for the fact that we have several companies that go through annual audits. And so I started doing a little research about that. And I felt like, you know, I mean, it, it's not all encompassing and, and no framework is. That's the thing. Right. I mean, no framework is all encompassing. So is SOC 2, um, I mean, it, is SOC 2 relatively technical? Is that fair? It, it, it is relatively technical, but it also has, you know, various other uh, aspects to it as far as like governance of your business. Sure. Uh, corporate health, how you bill and report your billing. And uh, I mean, it goes way beyond just the technical. So which um, is unlike CIS, which is like, there's very few controls that, that are built around organizational and business. In fact, that they think the first, man, I'm going to say like, there's probably only five controls in CIS that are really tied to outside of technical. Sure. I kind of, and I've, I've had this conversation with a few folks. I kind of liken SOC 2 to a combination of a technical control like CIS uh, and a a business structure type deal like EOS, right? It's not EOS. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not discounting EOS or doing anything like that. But there is a lot of things within SOC 2 that uh, revolve around how you structure meetings, meeting minutes, how you, you know, it, it, it gets you a real good basic business structure mindset that a lot of us as, you know, entrepreneurs, I mean, we, 
as an MSP, we kinetic started because I worked in, in IT, right? And right. I'm like, I think I could do this for a living outside of this corporate structure. And so I started a business and I knew nothing about running a business. <laughs> I was, you know, 24 years old or 25 years old when it happened. So anyway. Well, well so uh, can you pause for a moment? Can you sure. share with the audience what EOS is? Uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Uh, it's all based on a book uh, by Gino Wickman, I think. Gino oh, Wickman. Correct. Yes. Yeah, called Traction. Traction. Traction was the first book, and then there have been several subsequent books, which I've read, and I and I love the premise. Um, and you know, I think it's I think it's something that may be right for our business down the road. But I feel like that again, there were a lot of things that going through the SOC process. Sure. Um, satisfied in that realm and changed our mindset internally as to how we were functioning on a day-to-day -day basis as a right. Okay. I appreciate that. I just want to make sure that we're like not throwing out acronyms that may or may not be tied I, to I, cybersecurity. I, I get it. <laughs> and I won't go into any other EOS related acronyms. Well, just to, just to throw out another book, I, it makes me think of the book called um, the five, the five dysfunctions of a team or the five distractions of a CEO that, and I'm totally drawing a blank on the author, but while those aren't frameworks per se, when you read those books, as you're going through frameworks, you're suddenly going, Oh, if I apply some of this to what we're dealing with, the acceleration that I'm looking for might just happen because I'm no longer doing this with people that have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, EOS in and of itself is a business framework. True. Right. That's, True. That's what, that's what it is. So, um, but yeah, so being frustrated and knowing my own personality and uh, my inability at times to hold myself accountable to certain things I decided to hire a company to help us through the process of going through an audit. And we chose the baseline uh, audit just to, to get through a process. And then after the first one, uh, decided we were going to expand that. And uh, next year, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll go even deeper uh, into the process because uh, there are various stages of uh, and we went to MSP Alliance. I mean, that's who we used. And there were, you know, lots of other ones out there, but they had been around and been doing that type of stuff for MSPs uh, the longest that, that I could tell. So, um, and, I, and I actually had a, a friendly competitor that had, had used them and uh, they had seen great success within their own organization after going through the process as far as growth and opening up doors to businesses and opportunities that uh, in the past that they would have to uh, either be rejected or reject because they didn't meet the qualifications. Sure. So, so ultimately your, your decision-making process was uh, I don't want to say just by chance, but it was not driven by say someone like me saying, Jim, you really need to adopt a framework and follow the control set and get, you know, your cybersecurity dialed in. It was more of you're listening to, to the clients that you have, some of the obligations that they're having to go through and, and sort of the realization like, Hey, if, if I can, you know, cater to that client base more than I am today, part of that would be proving to them 
that I'm doing the same thing. And, and um, I want to come back to the, the stock and, and sort of your process here in a second. But one of the things I want to touch on is there's a maturity model here that is not necessarily tied to you as the MSP. And what I mean is around us, cybersecurity insurance, um, our clients' need for cybersecurity maturity, that is happening with or without us, right? Like right now, those things are happening. So when an insurance company says to you, hey, show some proof that you're doing the following things, one of the easiest things that you can be doing is to follow a framework, satisfying those controls, putting together a poem that shows like, hey, uh, the, the milestones and budget, and this is our timeline for getting these things done. A CMMC framework just updated. They went from five uh, levels to three. They took some of the requirements out that were there before. Uh, one of them was uh, if you were attesting for CMMC compliance level three, they no longer cared about your poem. They just wanted to see like proof that you satisfied all the controls. What's right. interesting is they added the poem back in and are saying, hey, for smaller businesses, it's unrealistic to assume that you're just going to satisfy all these controls whether it's SOC 2 or any other framework, just because the control seems out of reach or unreasonable doesn't mean you should dismiss the framework as a whole. I agree. <laughs> so, so picking back up with where you're at, you did the baseline. That was year one. How hard was it to remediate or to get yourself comfortable with the findings report? Um, it, at first it was really hard the hardest thing. And I think the hardest thing that most of, uh, our colleagues will deal with is actually getting, getting the policies done. And, and this, this process forced that upon me to get policies done. Now they provided templates and all right. of that. Um, but, uh, that was the, that was the biggest struggle. I'm, I'm, and have always been bad about documentation. That's why I hired people so they could document stuff. So I didn't have to, right? right? So, I mean, that was, that was really the hardest part for me. Um, and, uh, but, but just having it, having it there, having somebody, you know, kind of hold your hand through the process, the way that we hold hands with our clients to get them through certain processes and sure. struggles that they go through. So, um, and I think that that was, you know, it, it was putting away the, the, you know, the ego and understanding that I don't know everything, right. right? And just coming to that realization that we needed help to get through it. And now in our, you know, going through our second audit now, uh, as we speak, I mean, it's happening right now. So um, it, it is, um, you know, the, the second year is easier. Sure. The first year is the hardest because the second year you've actually been doing all the things that you were kind of trained to do through the first process. Right. And, and I think that one of the things that didn't really exist before, and if we, we can go back, we don't go back too far, but I think when, when PSAs first became somewhat sophisticated, while that may not be what I would ideally say is a good way to manage policies or your, your security control set. When I think about trying to do it with just a spreadsheet, uh, that's way more complicated than the PSA. We didn't have integrations with our documentation tools until, you know, more recently that has helped a lot with that going to the, the gather as opposed to hunting to find evidence, right? right? We, we know it exists. We don't know where to look. So we're, right. we're on a, we're on a, a scavenger hunt. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, today, you know, you're in round two. One of the things that I think is always challenging is where to manage my policies. Like if I have something and you mentioned starting with templates, I struggle with templates, not because I don't have a collection of them, but because, and, I, and I've heard this said before, if I look at a template and at the top, it says, this is satisfying controls X, Y, Z from whatever framework, looking at the document, I don't know how many times I've looked at templates that really don't clearly paint the picture of the controls being satisfied. It's ambiguity. It's more abstract. It's like a Picasso decided to start writing, right? Like it's just, it can be disjointed. Uh, it can include too much. Uh, it includes most of the time too little. What did you run into with the template process? Because I think that there's a lot to gain from templates because you're not starting with zero. Right. But there's got to be some give and take. And what's the approach maybe that you went through to go, okay, ding, 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 I get it. Now I can make this mine. I think the, the main part is, you know, reading through it and really understanding what they're what they're trying to say because so often you know these types of policies are written either by you know some either an accountant or an attorney right. or you know i mean and so there's there's a lot of stuff in there and the language that you know especially non-technical policies right correct yeah especially those and so we spent a lot of time going through and really just putting things into our, into our own words. And I talked to the auditors and I said, look, you know, I want, I want my staff to be able to understand these when they read them and they sign off that they've read them and so on and so forth. And so I didn't want it to be this, you know, complex document. And so as long as, as long as you're going in and, and with the policy and whatever controls that it's attempting to satisfy, just, tell the story, right? right? right. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. And if, if, if it doesn't satisfy the auditor, right, then, then you can work with them to make it satisfy what they needed to do. Prior to that, if you're not being audited, just, just write it down. You know, that, that's, that's as simple. That's a policy. It's written down. And then if you're audited, then, then you might have to complicate it a little sure. more. You know, that, so that part of it was, Ball. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give some examples of, of uh, platforms and tools that are out there that help with um, policy management and control satisfaction. So there's uh, VCIO toolbox, less policy, but more about like documented, I can see where I'm satisfying controls, I'm attaching my evidence. You've got um, CyberHoot, which has policy templates and, and security awareness training. Um, I will tell you that their policy is very much focused on the, the doing side of things, less of the control mappings to specific frameworks. So for those of you that aren't sure yet where to get started, that's a good example. PyGuard, PIIGuard360 is another one that has um, some policies, uh, policy mappings that are getting more specific with the control sets that you might want to satisfy. Uh, Tugboat, Logic, there's others. I mean, this is this is the new frontier for, for what we're dealing with because so many organizations now need to see proof. If, if you're looking for uh, guidance on that, please, please hit me up uh, offline. Uh, the other one too is, is what are you consuming to help you define what goes into your policies? So one of the things that drives me nuts is if, if it's a least privilege access, 
don't overcomplicate things like just be clear like these are the roles that we have these are those that are responsible for identifying who has access to those privileges and, and be done with it it doesn't need to be like uh we've got this in six other documents because we wanted to keep this full of ambiguity so that if an attorney looked at this they would definitely not know anything from what we have in the document right and so you know you went through this you're going into year two on your audit how does it look with regards to the policies and what you're doing with your employees? Like how often are you asking them to review policies? Are you doing this once a year? Is it based on your audit schedule? So there are certain things that, you know, at this point I would say it was annually, but through, you know, various conversations, uh, not even with the auditors, but with, you know, folks like yourself and other people within MSP Ignite, um, and it's funny because there are people that are like, well, you should probably do this more often coming from somebody that's not doing anything. Right. And so I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the fact is, is that we should do it more often. And so we're looking at certain policies that apply specifically to um, cybersecurity. Yeah. OK. Uh, having our team read, you know, those and we update them and then having our, our staff sign off that they've read it and done all that, that at least twice a year is what we're, we're pushing for for 2022. So is, so this part is, of, is this part of your cybersecurity awareness training? Like, hey, we're going to sprinkle in, these are some cybersecurity policies, like a reminder, hey, password complexity or 2FA. Uh, I think it's easy to think about policies as these sort of static objects that are like for the corporate team to, to, you know, ivory tower, like sign off on and adopt and then go, you go hand that to an employee and they're like, I understand what this document's saying, but please help me understand where you think this is going to be applied in our organization based on our current infrastructure. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really what we, we strive to do. So you know, as far as like the security awareness training, which, you know, we've, we've had some discussions about that. And one of the challenges I think for organizations like ours is that the cybersecurity awareness training that we are providing to our clients uh, in whatever form we're doing it um, is really not enough for us internally. We need we need more technical cybersecurity awareness training internally. And so that's kind of how we're approaching it by, you know, the policies that we're setting internally, making them understandable by our staff so that it's not, you know, a big mess of, you know, words, right? right that it's right. straight to the point. And then talking to them about why we're making the changes that we're making and, and how all that affects us on a on a regular basis and even though it may may uh disrupt our workflow or slow us down temporarily sure. to do it um ultimately it's going to make us better so yeah I, I think that i think so we with regards to frameworks i think there's a lot of that in there right so like i think about cis um version seven eight we, we talked about this before the security awareness training and i think it's really easy to get hung up on and i see this like with hipaa compliance and, and the framework that hipaa is built on they go into great detail to talk about this annual cybersecurity training like and it's pretty articulate and it's like well if i do this once a year do i really remember what i did 12 months ago 
Probably not, right? And and the reality is that's too much to consume all at once and be successful with it in our day to day. Now, if you've done it four or five times, you've probably memorized it, but that doesn't mean that you're retaining it from a use it standpoint. And so uh, I think I mentioned, may have mentioned this before. Um, I, I heard a, a podcast interview with um, uh, Arctic Wolf and the VP was talking about, you know, five and 10 minute chunks being sprinkled on a monthly uh, basis because our attention, our, our retention of knowledge for things that it's kind of uh, in bursts is about four weeks before it starts to sort of drop off in the background. You know, there's, there's an argument to be said that if you get certified in CPR, it's, it's not for life, right? Like your card doesn't say in 10 years, this is still valid because nothing's changed in, in the CPR world. Uh, you know, I've gone through CPR training now, uh, I don't know, six or seven times. I did it uh, back in the day as a first responder uh, when I was working for the government. And what was interesting, I took it twice inside of a 12 month period and it had changed since the previous time I had taken it. And I'm like, right. okay, we know that cybersecurity is evolving and changing far more rapidly than our need to understand how to give CPR, right? Like even if you took it 10 years ago, odds are you've got the basics still in your head and you can potentially still save someone's life. Cybersecurity, if it's not front of mind, you missed out on the most recent exploit. Uh, this, is, this is a problem, right? So that training ties back directly to the framework and controls or what they're saying, right? Like they all sort of hinge on what are we doing with our employees? What are we doing with our clients' employees to make sure that the policies and the control sets are like front of mind, not an abstract that someone over there is dealing with. This isn't, this isn't the HR department. This isn't the employee handbook, right? This is a security framework with a posturing goal that says, I, I was at this manual process that was abstract and difficult to articulate. And now I'm here. Everybody understands and we're rowing in the same direction, even if we don't all understand the intricacies of how we're getting to the destination with, say, two-factor authentication or password management, right? Because it's not every employee's responsibility to know all of the intricacies of that particular control. All right. As we look to wrap up this episode, Jim, you're doing this and talking about in the future of like doing this and, and spending more money on this. This isn't something that's cheap or for those that are like, hey, this isn't in my budget to say I'm going to go get audited. But the starting point, I think, is the same for pretty much everybody. And that is figure out your baseline, pick a framework, go for it and ask questions like good grief. Like you said, even your friendly competitors, your peers, right? We are all in this together. Any one person or organization having a failure is an impact on the entire industry, if not our global economy. So what's your leave behind or takeaway that you'd like to share with the audience who's like, great, he's a big MSP. He was able to allocate the resources. Good for him. I'm three, I'm three guys and, and a truck. And, and I know that's, that's really downplaying how small an organization might be, but walk me through it. You were in this 24 years ago, rough, roughly. Of, it was you it were three guys. You know, right. you might not have been able to do it then, but if that's the case, what would you leave behind, whether you're big or small, where do you start? Well, I, I, I would first say that if I knew then what I know now, oh, great. I, Here would, we go. I, would, 
I would have found the resources to, to do what's available to me. And sure. I would focus on my business. We, right. we all, uh, you know, we're, we're client services companies, right? right. We are a industry that rely on our relationship with our clients to survive. Right. Uh, we have to focus with this particularly when it comes to security, cybersecurity and frameworks and everything else. We must first focus internally and not worry about how we're going to make money with it. Because if, if we can, it, it, you will, it will come. Don't, right. don't fret, right? It will come, but you're going to have to make an investment in you first, right? To, to make sure that it's all set and ready to go. Then you take that and you can deliver that to your customers for a fee. Whatever you're creating, you decide. And you're, so to, to be clear, because of the focus internal first, it is creating by its very nature, the opportunity facing out towards your clients or prospects. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I think that the the biggest the you know what do they say don't don't miss the boat i think this is a perfect example of that it's easy to get caught up in buying products and services to make money with obviously the mindset of because you're securing your client but the reality is your outcomes may be completely different if an internal focus and a mapping to a framework gets your maturity up and you realize that you've been chasing the wrong products and services based on profitability or, or opportunity that just doesn't align with your organization's values that have changed as a result of going through this process. Yeah, for sure. And, and try as much as you can. And I know it's hard, you know, avoid the, the, the shiny object syndrome. Right. Initially, until you figure out what you're, what you're going to do and then find the tools to work within what you're doing. I'm you not know, only a member, I'm the president. Yeah. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> well, so let's touch on that real quick before I let you go. Shiny object syndrome is the blessing and the curse because the products and services today, there's a lot of noise and they're coming hard and fast. And there are many cases, they are great, great new products. The thing that I would like to remind everybody is just because it's bigger, better, faster, cheaper, doesn't mean you have the bandwidth to change. Yeah. And if you choose to go down that path, it's no different than committing to a vendor's contract that says, please sign three years to get a 10% discount, knowing full well, six months from, from today, you may be in a completely different position and that that doesn't make sense anymore. Your, your products in your EDR, XDR space, the RMM tools, a lot of this stuff, it's evolving fast. And yep. your job isn't to evolve with products and services. Your job is to evolve with your clients and the security needs that they have. And those are not always going to line up with each other. So be careful that you're not lining your MSP business up with a product or service because odds are you're going to get disappointed and left holding a bag that's got a hole in the bottom. Yeah, for sure. Jim, where can people find you? Um, they can find me in Dallas, Texas uh, or at uh, Kinetic tg.com uh we're we're uh we're out there and um you know if, if you're in msp ignite you can hit us up in you know the in the team's channels and all of that but uh yeah pretty pretty easy guy to track down well i really appreciate that i was thinking that you're going to leave us with you can find me in dallas and i'm sure that will be done in a very short period of time for anybody listening they've, they've got all the clues they need right uh, for those of you listening, this has been an MSP.
This has been an episode of MSP 1337. Thanks for listening and have a great week.